Congresswoman Bice, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with uh, your background? What drew you into politics? What have you done so far uh, in that political career? And what are you doing now? This is not something that I had on my radar. I actually was encouraged to consider running um, for a state Senate seat back in 2014. And uh, what is interesting about that is the reason that I was approached was twofold. One, um, the individual that held the seat at the time decided not to run for re-election, and he had seen the things I had done in the community. I had been part of some big initiatives um, through an association I was part of, as well as through a faith-based organization. And he sort of recognized that I was that doer type, you know, give me the tools and resources, let me run with it. And um, he said that that's the kind of thing that we need um, in the state legislature. But the other piece of it, which is probably the more fascinating part was, he said, we need more women in the state legislature. When I ran for the state Senate in 2014, there were actually only six women serving in the state Senate out of 48 and 13 out of 101 in the state house. So 19 out of 149 put Oklahoma 49th in the country for female legislators. And um, as the mother of two daughters, I thought, you know what, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should just do something you know, big and bold and outside the box and certainly thought that running for the state Senate would be my, you know, my 15 minutes of, of fame and I would be able to do some really great things, which I did in my state. And then in 2018, I was encouraged to consider running for a congressional seat that Republicans had lost. And again, thought, why me? But I realized it was an incredible opportunity. And if I was doing things on the state level and being effective, then maybe um, moving to the federal level would give me that same opportunity. And so I ran for this congressional seat in 2020, was fortunate enough to be elected by the constituents here in the fifth district. And um, it's been off to the races ever since. Excellent. So once in Congress, what drew you to the, you know, the administration committee and what drew you in specific to lead this modernization effort? You know, actually, what's funny is um, when I was in the state Senate, I realized that there was no mentorship program for incoming freshmen. And so I went to the Senate pro tem and I said, I want to create a program that would um, allow freshmen to you know, get up to speed on issues, but also have a forum where they could ask questions in sort of a um, you know, closed setting that they could um, get information from various agencies. So I spent about six months along with one of my colleagues, putting together a freshman orientation, if you will, and then a mentorship program that followed that. And we met every week for an hour for breakfast, um, brought in different speakers, brought in different agencies to let them really ask questions and understand how things work. And when I was elected, certainly 2020, beginning of 2021 was a challenging time to be a new member of Congress because COVID was very, you know, much still uh, a challenge for everyone. And, and, Things were closed and we were still social distancing. So putting together a freshman orientation program was very much um, a challenge. But what I realized, though, after I was finished, that is that there were so many other things that could have been done that really weren't that I felt like, you know what, um, I can find some ways to improve this. So I spent um, some time putting together a, a document that sort of laid out what I thought should have been changed and why. And the leadership team sort of said, hey, that's what the House Administration Committee does. You know, you should look at that. And I thought, well, I don't I'm not really familiar with them. But once I you know, started doing my research, I went to leadership and said, look, I think that this is something that I'd like to be a part of. And specific to the modernization of Congress, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage 
frankly, because I wasn't on the select committee in the 116th or 117th Congress. So taking over this new subcommittee under House Admin has been a bit of a learning curve because I am having to get really up to speed on all of the things that have happened over the past four years um, so that I can um, effectively execute the plan as we move forward. Yeah, in some ways it might be good because you have fresh eyes on the on the project and, you know, maybe you can take a slightly different perspective. But in terms of what they already did, you know, over the last number of years, are there priorities that they've passed that, that haven't been executed that you think could be pushed into implementation? Do you have any priorities on that side? You know, there's a couple things I think that we've so far seen that um, could be maybe done differently. There's some certainly techno technology advancements that we'd like to see when some of the websites um, that we'd like to see updated, haven't been updated, or they're in the process and it's taking a lot longer than we would have expected. But technology is really, I think, um, the baseline for all, almost everything, <clears throat> excuse me, that we should be looking at. Um, when you think about how do we get information? You know, um, there's entities out there that you can certainly get information from think tanks or other even um, government entities, but can we do it in a way that those deliverables are done um, faster and, and maybe more concisely um, put together? That will help staff, that will help members. Um, those resources are incredibly important. So I think for me, you know, one of the nice things is I actually have a little bit of a tech background. My father started a technology company in the mid 90s. And so um, I know enough to be dangerous, I like to say, but I understand the dynamics of how technology can benefit us. And sometimes when we take um, such a long time to move forward, we're, we're losing you know, traction every day that we don't get these things implemented. So for me, the technology piece, I think, will be a big focus. And so what about new areas uh, that, the, that maybe the committee didn't address in the past? Are there any you know, kind of areas that you feel like you know, might be tackled now under you know, a new Congress with, uh, with new opportunities that, that you know, the, the select committee didn't address? You know, there's certainly going to be some things that we're looking at. One of the things that um, I've taken on just recently is sort of looking at CRS from a holistic perspective. How has CRS changed over the years? How have they been able to provide information in a nonpartisan, um, concise way to members and to offices and to staff to be able to look at um, best practices for drafting legislation or how to find information. So I think that's one thing that we'll be looking at. But um, what I would also say is the select committee made over 200 recommendations, and many of those are outstanding. I think we've only actually implemented about, I don't know, three dozen or so. So there's so many more opportunities for us to look at um, moving the needle and improving the way that Congress functions and also improving the way that our constituencies across the country interact with Congress. You know, some of the things that I think are really, um, you know, notable and easy things are things like, why are there not um, digital, um, you know, uh, displays around the Capitol to sort of direct you to certain areas. Or, um, you know, there's been a conversation around ADA access in certain places. Do we need to reevaluate that? Um, you know, just those little things, I think, that can improve the experience. Um, certainly one of the things that wasn't really talked about that I've heard quite a bit about lately is the scheduling process for Capitol tours, for Washington Monument tours, you know, any sort of dome tours within the Capitol complex. 
trying to get those things set up and um, executed tends to be a little bit of a challenge for offices. Again, using technology can streamline this process in a way that actually um, makes everyone's life easier. And so there are some things that we're going to be looking at from a fresh set of bias perspective, as you mentioned. But I think that there's enough out there that we want to focus on that we can continue to improve upon and update that were recommendations made by the last two select committee um, entities. Great. And, you know, obviously you can only do what's sort of possible within the political framework that you're engaged with, right, over the next couple of years. What do you think are the big things that really need to be addressed within a 50-year time frame? This conversation has come up several times now, but functional space within the Capitol complex, there is, you know, if you look at the budget of the executive branch versus the budget of Congress, um, it's disproportionate now. You know, the, the legislative side has shrunk in many ways from a budget perspective and the executive branch has grown. And so we need to be able to sort of be that counter, but there are some limitations to that. Uh, one of the things that was a recommendation on the list that I thought was actually you know, pretty um, interesting was increasing the threshold for the maximum number of staffers allowed per office. Right now we have a maximum of 18 staff that each congressional office can have, and that's district offices as well as the um, DC uh, offices. And I said, well, you know, we just had an MRA increase across the board uh, for most members. This would be the perfect time to allow for an increase in headcount for each office, maybe just one or two people. What was interesting is the response was, where are they going to be from a physical perspective? How can you fit another body into these offices? And then parking, which you really don't think about much, but parking is a big issue on the Capitol grounds. Where are we going to park, let's say, a thousand new cars? Um, so it's those sorts of things that we have to be thinking long term about. Those are conversations that are probably going to need to happen sooner rather than later, because those are very long lead times. They're expensive projects, um, but they're necessary to continue to make sure that government functions as intended. You know, uh, if you look at even 50 years ago, the number of uh, members of Congress and the number of um, of staffers there was was different. And we've added delegates and we've added, um, you know, just staff in general growth. And that has made it a little bit of a challenge. One challenge also on the staffing side is that what, what kind of staff are you going to add, right? If you allow people to add staff, are they going to add constituent service staff? Are they going to add legislative staff or, or communication staff? I know that's a, you know, that's a concern a lot of people have about adding the staff number. That's exactly right. Um, and every office is different. I mean, for, for my office right now, I have a little bit more um, heavy ledge staff um, in the DC office. And but some offices really focus on the communications aspect and they have may have a, a sort of a comms focus for their office. So I think it depends on the office. Giving in that flexibility is really important. But again, um, can you do that sort of in the environment that we have now, given the space limitations that we have throughout um, the Capitol complex? Great. Well, my last question is really around the, you know, the reform community. There's a, a lot of people out there who are, you know, thinking about Congress, want to improve it like we do, uh, increases capacities. You know, how can they engage with your with your committee? Should we send in letters? Should, uh, you know, what's the best way to kind of bring the ideas to, to, your, to you and your team? You know, I think that's the best way. Um, having that in writing, I certainly want the opportunity to visit with uh, entities that are interested in the modernization of Congress, but maybe submitting those letters to uh, the committee itself 
so that they can have um, a running record of what the asks are and what the focus is maybe for people that are outside of um, of the capital grounds. Uh, that's probably the most beneficial, helpful way to be able to, to engage with us. There will be um, a lot of roundtable discussions. One of the things that I changed pretty um, uh, pretty much immediately as I took on this new role was I feel like there's so much of a better collaboration with the agencies that we're going to be um, working with, whether it's CRS, whether it's CAO um, or others, that I uh, structured our meetings in a roundtable format because I think it just fosters better collaboration. This isn't a interrogation. It should be a discussion around what are we need, what are we doing to improve uh, Congress and what are we doing to improve uh, those folks that may be visiting the institutions. And so I hope that by allowing that collaborative format, we'll be able to really build better dialogue and that way we can move forward in a very productive, um, I think, uh, a great way. Excellent. So now that the Congress is really rolling, what do you, what do you have planned in the next, you know, say four to six weeks uh, for the committee? Well, the challenge for me is, um, unfortunately, I am on several committees. As we get into the appropriation cycle, looking at happen to be on the legislations um, subcommittee, which is fantastic. You know, we do have some some things lined up. Uh, CRS is going to be, um, I think, part of that conversation. Uh, we'll continue to bring in other agencies that have been part of, whether it's um, Office of the Clerk um, or others, to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page. Because what I don't want to see happen is everybody sees this recommendation list and they sort of pick what they think is a priority and run with it. It really needs to be um, the subcommittee uh, driving that conversation. And so we're making sure that we meet with all of these entities and maybe give them the directives on here are the five or 10 things that we really think make the most sense right now from a funding perspective, as well as a manpower perspective um, so that we can execute and we can actually show um, at the end that we were able to get these things accomplished in a uh, efficient and timely manner. Excellent. Well, Congresswoman Vice, thank you so much for uh, the interview. It was fantastic and best of luck with the committee. We're all uh, rooting for you. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you and let us know again um, how we can be helpful. I want this to be a collaborative process. We may not be able to get everything done and certainly it'll take some time for some of these projects, but I want to be a resource and certainly appreciate the time that you gave me today to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you.